All right, welcome back to another episode of the Goalpost. And Tua Tagovailoa is 5-0 against the New England Patriots, and the Miami Dolphins move to 2-0 on the season. What a weird way to end a Sunday night. Yeah, Damien, a strange way, you might say. Uh, the big boy Cole Strange accepting the lateral from Mike Jasicki, the former Dolphin, laying it on the line, reaching, but he was just short up upon review. I thought they might uphold it. I mean, he was caught. It was called a first down on the play. Uh, they reviewed. He was just short. And man, like the the Patriots, they're now zero and two. It feels like they've had two kind of like not garbage time comebacks, but it's never really felt like they've been kind of in the game. Even though the score might reflect that they kind of are, but it feels like. Um, Miami was in the lead the entire game. Philly was in the lead the entire game. And it's kind of just too little too late a bit for the Patriots. But, you know, credit to the Dolphins. They played a pretty great game plan, I would say. It was pretty flawless. Maybe one one not so great throw by Tua when he when he fell back there. But aside from that, it was a pretty great way for the Dolphins to win this game. And like you said, they're 2-0. Yeah, going back to that very last play of the game, I was surprised it wasn't whistled for motion for a lack of forward progress to begin with. I think that play gets called all the time. I get the refs wanting to give it to him. Great heads up play by Gasicki. Uh, but yeah, just short. I think upon review, I think the weirdest thing was that they had initially called it a first down and then reversed it on that video review, which usually it should kind of be the other way around. Like they should have given them the like the Dolphins the ball and then reviewed it to see if they had to if there was enough evidence to overturn that it wasn't I think that that was the the thing that people were most kind of upset about in the moment Um, but going back to what you said about the Patriots not feeling like they're really in games I think that second touchdown that they got took so long to get because it involved that Mac Jones interception first then they eventually got the ball back then they drove for like six minutes so in that point of the game I was like I'm all right with giving up this touchdown like they're taking way too much time off the clock and it did feel like the Dolphins were going to pull that one out they still had 40 yards to go after even if they did make that first down and you were down a touchdown it wasn't on the goal line no no they were far from the end zone I, that was never the threat but it was it just would have been fun you know to keep the game going from a spectator's uh perspective like myself obviously if you have rooting interest uh you would be upset if they gave them the first down so I understand where your head's at I think the refs just kind of the reason they may have not blown it dead for the like the motion on Jasicki is just because like too big almost like the moment's too big they don't want to end it on that and yeah thankfully it didn't it, it didn't cost you anything and they were short and it was a turnover on downs and Miami got their win but overall like aside from the New England kind of it's like if you're a scoreboard watcher you would think this game was closer than it was and both the New England's losses are kind of closer than they were but at no point has it felt like New England could win either the uh, either of these games like I was saying before but my biggest takeaway was the they listened to us Damien they ran the football the Dolphins ran the football or he Mostert was an absolute stud tonight last night sorry 18 carries 121 yards and two touchdowns and they just stuck with the run I was waiting for them to kind of go away from it after they started it early on but they stayed with it and it made for a really easy night passing for Tua and just their offense looked perfect. And, yeah. you know, some and, might call it a CFL offense. 
Yeah. And and on both sides of the ball, really, we really kind of focused in on the run game after last week's game and said, what can Miami do better next week uh, to kind of shore up those insufficiencies? And that's exactly what they did. Most of got downhill all night. And on the defensive side of the ball, the Patriots had a really tough time running the ball. So it was really hard. You didn't think that, you know, Vic Fangio's defenses are going to get smacked in the mouth kind of two weeks in a row. He's that good of a defensive coordinator. And I think that, that those little adjustments showed tonight. I think that on the bad side of Miami season so far, they've had six center QB miscues two weeks in. Sanders has a field goal block, a field goal miss, and an extra point miss. I think that taking that field goal at the end of the game was a bad idea. I think they should have banked on the defense and tried to, you know, cough and corner a punt there. Um, but, you know, those are all kind of nitpicky things. The Dolphins open the season on the road two games in a row against, you know, a, a tough Chargers team that puts up a lot of points and then a tough divisional opponent. So I think full credit to them. Yeah. And, you know, playing in New England at night, always a tough atmosphere, right? Thankfully, it's, you know, you're playing in New England early in the season as opposed to in December or, or January when it's, you know, freezing cold there. Um, but no, I, I have no critiques of the Dolphins, really. I mean, you kind of got nitpicky with the special teams and things like that. But I mean, if, if you're nitpicking things like that, you had a pretty good night. Let's kind of talk about the Patriots, though, Damien. I don't know what these guys are. I, I really don't. Because like I've said, like they've they've had a very tough start to the season with the schedule. Eagles, the Super Bowl runner-up. Dolphins, who are one of the best teams in the league, it looks like, this year. And I mean, they've lost both by one score. And I mean, I don't know. Mac Jones hasn't really looked bad. Uh, I would say the offensive line has been the worst part of this team. Yeah, agreed. and I, I don't know. I, I mean, Mac Jones had that one brutal interception to Xavier Howard, but like, I don't know. The the Patriots just look like a middle of the road, like perfectly middle of the road team. And I mean, I don't. It feels like they're going to be in games, like covering spreads, kind of late in the season. But I just can't see this team really doing anything with with their current roster and i i like i'm saying mac jones isn't bad by any means but i just don't think you're gonna win because of him or with him or you know well, what i mean it felt like it like it felt like two boats like passing in the middle of the night one team that is so stacked with skill position players and one that is notoriously not right like pats fans watching that game is like fuck we can't keep up out there on offense, you have Hunter Henry, who is now essentially like the safety island for Mac Jones in a good way. I think he provides a great outlet for that team. That signing, you know, from two years ago, starting to kind of really show its flowers. But other than that, you know, Ramondre Stevenson in behind that offensive line has a really tough time. I think he's a talented player, but you can only do so much. I think they just have too many holes with their schedule to keep their head above water this year. It's going to I think it's this is really now turned into with the Rogers injury now back to a two team race for the first in the division here with the bills and the dolphins. Yeah. And I would say the only player on the Patriots roster that kind of like wows me would be Matthew Judon. And yeah. it's like, it feels like he's the only, you know, player with some pop or like a wow factor on this team. And, you know, you're just not going to be able to succeed in the NFL. If you don't have these unreal playmakers on either side of the ball, and I mean, the Patriots, like Bill O'Brien, their offense has looked better. I've noticed that Bill O'Brien from Matt Patricia. Play calling's improved. a lot better. Yeah, but the offensive line just kind of stinks. And Mac, you know, credit to him. He was making plays in the pocket. He was kind of running for his life at points and, and making plays. But you can only do so much. 
Yeah, and and shout out to uh, Van Ginkle on the Dolphins. He was a monster all night. Like seeing a guy with just like a long haired dude sprinting at you all night trying to eat your heart. It's got to be terrifying. A, a high motor guy, as I'm sure it was said multiple times on the broadcast last night. Broadcast had an absolute day last night or night. If you want to call it, they mentioned the lighthouse about 600 times. I thought Tariko was going to pull out an asterisk at the end on me. I'm just worried they, about it now. Yeah, I, it's it's in, they're in love with this lighthouse. I mean, in this whole wing that they put in July. I mean, I, I don't know. I guess it's something for New England fans to be excited about because you haven't had much to kind of cheer about since Brady's been gone. But yeah, I don't know. New England kind of they just need a little bit of a shakeup. I don't know what it is, whether it's a trade or they just need a little something because this roster is mid, as the kids yeah. like to say. Well, we'll stop dunking on the Patriots. And as a segue point, I'll go to a roster that is absolutely overperforming despite taking a loss on Sunday. We'll move to the 49ers Rams game. This is a team that, you know, a lot of people, including us, were very low on. San Francisco comes out 30 to 23 in this one, but absolutely closer than a lot of people thought. You know, it came down kind of to a game ceiling interception on Stafford. Um, but, you know, that's what San Fran does. Still impressive, impressive performance from the Rams. Very impressive. Shout out Ryan Galati for his uh, expert analysis on on the Rams. Um, very impressive. He That's a guy who knows ball because clearly I might not as I was low on the Rams, like you said, and you know, I've been impressed with what I've seen. Uh, Puka Nasua is is Matthew Stafford's new Cooper Cup. Feels like Stafford's dog. just able to lock in on one one receiver, and just every single throw goes to him, and it, it somehow works. And Kyron Williams is now the lead back. I mean, Cam Akers looks like he's gone on the Rams. He had two touchdowns today. Um, and they were in it. And then shout out to Sean McVay. If you had the Rams plus seven and a half. Uh, just what the ultimate, co- ultimate college coach move to cover the spread. As you, like, it's incredible. What an incredible move. You could kind of like if there was you know 15 seconds left on the clock, and you know you're gonna get a chance for the onside kick after and get the ball. Hail Mary! Like that makes perfect sense to kick as that field time goal. expires. Yeah, that's incredible. the craziest part. Like that was the last play of the game, and it just ended and. They covered. I mean, I don't know if we might need to investigate that because McVeigh might be betting on these games. Yeah, that that was the immediate reaction I had to uh, for fantasy owners who picked up Puka Nasua. Absolute monster day again. You got to feel so good as an owner. Like if you bet on him big or like spent a lot of money in your league and then he gives you 15 receptions and 147 yards, you're looking pretty good. You're looking like you know what you're talking about. Yeah, and you won the sweepstakes, basically, right? It was kind of like a lottery, a blind. And he's going to get auction. touches clearly all year. Like, this is going to become a number one guy for them. It's. I'm just very interested to see when Cooper Cup comes back. Like, this Rams offense might be lethal. Might just be absolutely lethal. Like, obviously, I think the, the 49ers are are the class of the NFC. And, you know, they showed it again today. It wasn't, wasn't a perfect game by any means by the 49ers and Brock Purdy. But they just... They win like that's all they're doing in 30 points. Once again, both games, they've had 30 points and, you know, McCaffrey's just a stud and Purdy, he was using his legs today, which was nice to see. Like he's just, 
it's amazing how, you know, many teams are looking for these starting quarterbacks, the quarterback of the future, and San Francisco just stumbles upon this Mr. Irrelevant, and he looks like he's going to be their guy for, I mean, who knows how long, but it's working with Brock. A um, little bit of a scare with Ayuk getting injured quickly there, um, but he seems to be okay. And yeah, I mean, the, the 49ers just, they are a, you don't want to face them, it looks McCaffrey like. McCaffrey is just terrifying, like terrifying to play. Yeah, here's a hypothetical for the 49ers because it seems like they are they're playing for the NFC Championship right now. When do you like kind of start maybe limiting McCaffrey if you keep winning these games? You know, you got Elijah Mitchell, not a bad backup, and like the regular season almost doesn't matter for them. Especially in the NFC. Here. You know, I think that you get actually like a big win here for the 49ers like taking one off the Rams in terms of, you know, divisional wise. And I think that it's an interesting question because McCaffrey's certainly a, a guy who's not going to want to lean into that. You know, it's a guy who wants to keep playing, but this team's stacked. And I think that you get down the line and they rip off, you know, six, seven wins here in the next eight weeks. And suddenly they're in a really good spot. You could see that they, they start getting cute. They start putting Debo back in some more, you know, mixed running throw plays. I think they're an exciting team to watch just in terms of playing with their food a bit. Like you love to almost see them get up in some of these games and see what they do on offense. I just one thing I've noticed on their offense is Kittle's been blocking a lot more than receiving in the first two games. Uh, and I don't know. It's just stood out to me. I have him in fantasy. That That's definitely why it stood out to me. I've been kind of disappointed in him. Uh, so I'm hoping, you know, that changes. That that changes. I was not rooting Ayuk's downfall, but I thought, hey, you know, maybe, maybe Kittle will get some more catches with Ayuk out. And it really just didn't happen. And I don't know. I, we'll see if it, you know, changes down the line, but like that might be an approach that San Francisco is taking into account with Kittle's injury history. Yeah. Maybe not, you know. Right. Uh, that's a good thing a, to keep in mind. Receiver. Yeah. And moving on to now another team moving to 2 and 0, the Washington Commanders down 18 in the second quarter, come back and beat the Denver Broncos, an absolute grind of a game for them, but they Prove the haters wrong. They, a lot of people were super down on them last week, especially down on the run game. Um, but they come back. The enemy comes back, puts up a ton of points again, and does it through the run game. Robinson finishes with 18 carries, 87 yards, two touchdowns. Howell was buzzing. This offense looks great under the enemy. That was my biggest takeaway from this game. Coach and waiting. Yeah. Definitely the coach and waiting. I think... Uh... I didn't watch, I watched the like last, I would say 10 minutes. I was like in on this game. I was kind of just watching it on red zone up until that point. And they showed him more than Rivera. I don't know if you noticed it, but you know, Ron's kind of old and he just got his hundredth win. Congrats to Ron Rivera. But I mean, the, the commanders are just like, I thought they was over very quickly in this game when they were down 18. I was like, okay, you know, the commanders showing their true colors a bit. But instead, they they showed a side that we haven't really seen before. And like, you know, they're showing fight, comeback. Howell has that, you know, he's got that dog in him, you might say, where like he cares. He wants to win. He can lead this team. And absolutely it's, it's, gorgeous throw to our boy Terry McLaurin in the end zone. Like the connection, Mr. Thousand Yards again. 
nice to see him get the touchdown early because that's something he's always kind of struggled a bit as a receiver getting in the end zone. So nice to see him getting some touchdowns, you know, forming a relationship with Howell and getting that chemistry and Robinson. I mean, yeah, beautiful to see him get it out. And, you know, he's going to have his first like full season uh, because he obviously missed like the first half of the season last year. But yeah, I mean, the commanders, I don't know. Like, are we jumping the gun on them? Is it, you know, are they, are they like because of their schedule? Uh, I think you got to take it week by week almost. You got to just keep your eye on this team. If they keep stringing together wins, then all of a sudden they're a real danger in that division to make the playoffs or at least stir up some noise in the wild card. It's definitely going to be like a project though almost. They're going to stumble. The haters will have their moment for the Washington Commanders. I think the more interesting thing is who is this Broncos team? Like, I, I just don't really know. Like, you you look in and you'll catch their game on red zone. You'll see Javante Williams, like, rip off a crazy run. And you're like, oh, wow, they must be pounding the rock today. And then you go on the box score and it's like they have 86 total rushing yards at the end of the first half or, like, at the, midway through the third quarter. It's like, what what is this team about? I just it's, don't know. It's the same team as last year. It's almost, it's, I would say it's the exact same team as last year. Uh, you don't have a true number one receiver. They, you know, Corlin Sutton, good. Jerry Judy, good. And then Mims you know, looked you got, good. Yeah. And Brandon Johnson was in there today. Like they don't have a true number one. So Russell's kind of got to figure that out with somebody to have a reliable target. Like you said, the running game. And they ran it 12 times with Williams, but I mean, 44 yards, like Russell Wilson, six, six rushes for 56 yards, which, he shouldn't really be doing anymore. No, if you, you ask don't me. want that. Yeah. And, you know, they had Russell at his moment of glory on that Hail Mary at the end of the game. And then it was kind of all for nothing with not getting the two point. You can argue there was defensive pass interference, but I mean, I don't know. It's It was the last play of the game. So I understand them not throwing a flag. And, you know, the Broncos are where they were last year. Just yep. in, in the bottom of the AFC West. And like you said, just with a lot of questions. Yeah. You know, you bring in Sean Payton. He hasn't, there's been no noticeable change, is what I would say from this Broncos team. And guess what? You're going on the road to Miami next week in the September heat in Miami. So that, that'll be fun. That's not a great start for the Broncos. Um, but moving on to the even bigger comeback of the Sunday, Giants score 28 unanswered, a 31-point second half after scoring zero points in their first six quarters of the season to beat the Arizona Cardinals 31-28. to uh, This this was a season-saving win for the yep. Giants. That's, that's, that's my takeaway from this. I thought they were dead. I mean, how could you not? And I was I was very impressed with the Cardinals early too. Like it was like, oh my God, Josh Dobbs is running of running the ball into the end zone. James Conner, vintage. It it was amazing. You even saw Marquise Brown get a touchdown. Kind of yeah. forgot he was on the Cardinals. And then uh, DJ and the boys just started chipping away. Saquon, a couple of touchdowns. You know they they got it it their get right game, not in the way that we thought, but this is better than, than almost any get right game or, or point night that you could want. I, this was exactly kind of what we were looking for. There was more inspired play calling. Like they actually looked like they were trying to get the ball downfield. Jalen Hyatt, Hyatt looked great. Like he had a 58 yarder on the first play of the second half, which was kind of the initial spark that gave New York life into this second half. And they went and got it done. Huge credit to Danny Dimes. 
he looked great. Yeah, I they just can't be spotting these teams. Like, how are you no. finding yourself in twenty one nothing holes to the Arizona Cardinals? Like, I, I'm not saying the Giants are some world beaters out there, but you you were four and a half point favorites going into this game after losing forty to nothing the week before. And, you know, you'd think this is like, okay, the Cardinals, you just got your doors blown off the week before. This is, you know, you should be up 21 nothing on yeah. the Cardinals at half. And, you know, they found a way to get it done. And I guess credit to, to Jones and Dable and whatever for not giving up and, you know, saving the season because the Giants are about to go on a little four-game stretch of hell. They're going to the 49ers next week. Uh, the Seahawks the week after that, Dolphins, Bills. Man. So I would assume at best they go one and three in that four game stretch. Yeah. And I mean, imagine you were zero and two going into that stretch, and then you're just man, you're Could one be and zero six. And six. Yeah. It's that. Yeah, that's terrifying. Season saving win for the Giants because I yeah. think they have a pretty tough schedule, and you have to beat win these games of inferior opponents, and they did, I guess. If they can go two and two in that stretch, that'll be absolutely huge for them. Yeah, that's an absolute win. Um, Danny Dimes finishes with 321, two TDs, a rushing TD, four receivers with 40 and over. Saquon got a TD. He got the ball moving a bit. I don't know. I agree. This was a huge win, but let's temper that with how the hell are we getting in this position and how the hell are we going to get through the next four games? I think this could be a kind of dark next few weeks for Giants fans. And I think Giants fans are, they're not oblivious to the fact that this team might not be as good as last year. And, you know, last year might've been kind of a, not like a fluky run, but things, you don't always get better. Things bounced your way last year and things might not be bouncing your way this year. Kind of similar to the Vikings, I guess you could say. Uh, we'll, we'll get to but, them later. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I The positive to take away from the Giants is you won the football game. Yeah, that's There's, pretty it much was, it. It was ugly, but you found a way to win. And yeah, you, you have to find a way to go two and two in that four game stretch. And then you're you're 500. And, you know, the season's in front of you after that. Uh, will they do that? It doesn't look good right now. Yeah, not great. Um, but we'll move now to the one o'clock slate after, you know what? Dallas 30, New York 10, Zach Wilson, three interceptions, Davin Cook, a fumble. Not much good from this game from the Jets side. No, no, we don't need to talk about the Jets. They kind of look no. bleak. But yeah, we've I'm talked impressed about in the Cowboys, though. I'm actually I am impressed too. the Cowboys. I, I think that, that I am biting my tongue really hard of not picking them to go to the playoffs. I think that was stupid. Uh, and I think that they look great. Like I, We'll have to see them against like a a real real team i don't think that the giants and the jets count right now but you know so far they've done everything they have to do like you put up 70 points in two games yeah and then they're gonna go probably beat up on the cardinals next week and i don't know the the cowboys are definitely like a team that i'm just keep an eye on them in the nfc i wouldn't be shocked if they uh won that division the nfc east it's looking like that could happen um, and then I would really be eating my foot. Uh, but now to the one o'clock games, we'll go to the Los Angeles Chargers going to Owen two on the season after the Tennessee Titans pull out an absolute dog fight to win this one. 27, 24 
Justin Herbert, those lights are too bright. Turn them off. Turn them off. And the Chargers lose another game with some bad coaching in it yet again, I would I would add. That seat's got to be so hot right now, Damien. So hot. Staley is just, he's lost his identity. You know what I mean? He used to know who he is anymore. Down guy. And he's he's just kind of gone away from that a bit, which I'm sure is must be frustrating as hell for Chargers fans. And, you know, Herbert, he's good, but he's not good at the same time. It's he's not good when it matters. It seems like, you know, he, you get the ball in overtime, you think, okay, like I, we're get, at least getting a field goal here, and uh, nothing. Like you have nothing to show for, and that's kind of back-to-back weeks, right? Like they had the ball against Miami, they could have yep. done something. A field goal wins the game against yep. Miami, and then four and out. So it's kind of the same thing, and the Chargers just find themselves in these situations every single week. These one-score games, like it must the. Chargers fans, I know there's not many. They might have like the most stressful Sunday experience every single Sunday. Seriously, it seems like every game comes down to a nail biter in the wrong way. Like you're just expecting them to kind of make the mistake to to have the fumble, to miss the field goal, to hit the uprights, like for anything to really happen to make them not win that game. And another, you know, another game where a team that they should have beat like you need these games going down like let's let's move seven weeks in the future you're gonna need this game against the titans and they just didn't get it done like good teams find a way to win and i feel like the los angeles chargers are the opposite of that statement yeah they haven't learned how to win yet in the nfl it feels like staley for sure i mean herbert too right because they kind of came in together and it's they've been you know the the wonder, the wonder duo, the you know these yep. these new kids on the block, but they haven't won. And their defense, I mean, their offense is always kind of fine, right? They they were missing Eckler, that hurt a lot. They really couldn't get a running game going with with Joshua Kelly. So you know, credit to the offense, like for still putting up enough points. But their defense made Ryan Tannehill look like a stud today. Let's 20 talk about the Tennessee passing man. 20 of 24 passing, 246 yards, and a touchdown, and then a, a rushing touchdown to go along with it. I How are you? I couldn't believe it. I was watching the Titans. They looked competitive today. I think that's a good word to say it, like competing I, for a wild yeah. card small for sure. Yeah, I think that, you know, they, let's talk about the Titans. They had a couple young guns that I love watching play football, like Traylon Burks is an exciting receiver. That was an absolutely electric touchdown reception. Or no, no, it wasn't the touchdown, but it was like 70 yards right to the goal line. That was absolutely electric. And then Ty J Spears, a guy we really like, he looked great in this one. Like he had nine yards of carry in week one, and then he goes eight times for 50 yards this week. Like he's just a great second down back or like second back behind Derrick Henry. And I think I like, you know, the signs from this offense that they showed in this game, which is the biggest question mark around Tennessee. Yeah, it was nice that they're actually using Tajay Spears because it benefits Derrick Henry too, right? He still carried it 25 times today and, you know, 80 yards and he got his touchdown. But Tajay Spears, eight rushes, like that just, it helps Derrick Henry as they, as Tennessee goes along in this season, because that is their offense. We know that it's no secret, but if they can run the ball with success, then you're going to see more of guys like Traylon Burks, 
DeAndre Hopkins, obviously, you, you, I always yeah. kind of forget he's there. He's just kind of buried in Tennessee a bit. Um, but like, if Tannehill can do what he did today and just it's game it's not make mistakes, yeah, it's yeah. just keep the play in front of you and just like keep it going up the field and get those field goals when you can get them. If you get in the end zone, great, but just find ways to get points. And I mean, the defense. I, like it wasn't great today, but you know it's always going to be there, and they're going to work hard. But it that's a huge win for Tennessee to get to one and one. And the AFC South, I mean, it's up for grabs. It looks like because I mean we'll get to it in a bit. But Jacksonville, like they lost today, and then you got the Colts and the Texans. So like you find your way to ten wins if you're water, Tennessee, yeah. you're going to be there. And you know there this is a competitive team. That's a, yeah. I think that's my and that's all Titans that. fans are asking for. Like all they're asking for this year is this team to compete despite, you know, whatever this team to get better, the offense to get better and for them to compete. Um, moving now to what was probably the best game of the one o'clock slate. The Seattle Seahawks go on the road and defeat the big bad Detroit Lions 37 to 31. They get a touchdown on their first possession of overtime. Let's talk about NFL overtime rules. They stink. I think it's garbage that you don't get a chance if they score. The Chargers, like the the Chargers, could have done this right. Yeah. Done what Seattle did, but they couldn't. I'm a I'm a huge advocate for college overtime in the NFL. Maybe you move it back to the 35 instead of the 25. I um, agree. But I just like that kind of idea of both teams get a chance with the ball and. You know, you, you automatically get it in like a scoring opportunity, which is fun for the fans as well. It's quicker. I just I would hate say it too. coming down to a, a, you know, coin toss. Like you shouldn't, a coin toss should not have that much weight in a game. I don't think. No, you're right. Because if your team's in or the team that you root for is in that overtime, you are like hanging on to the edge of your seat to see which side of the coin for comes a up. coin toss, dude. I know. Yeah, you're right. When you put it that way, it is it is wrong. It's it, crazy. It's kind of wrong. And they've been talking about changing it forever. And it For feels so like long. nothing has been done. No. But other than that, you know, both quarterbacks had really impressive games. Gino and, and Jared went back and forth. Tyler Lockett finally, you know, explodes like everybody was waiting for him to do in week one. He had an incredible game. Uh, but yeah, th- this was a tough one for the Lions to lose. It felt like at times they should have won this one and it felt like it was on track for that. But credit to the Seahawks for, you know, kind of managing to pull this one out in a game that they needed to win. Like they going 0-2 for the Seahawks to start the season would have been a bad, bad start. It would have been really bad. And basically the difference in this game was the pick six. And it was like Goff's first interception in like over 300 attempts or something crazy like that. So I mean, the timing of that interception being thrown and the result that happened from it, I mean, it's really unfortunate, but, you know, Geno Smith and the Seahawks, like you said, huge bounce back game after like one of the worst halves of football you'll ever see last week against the Rams. And, you know, it's not, this was the Seahawks of last year, right? Like Geno slinging the ball, Kenneth Walker, when he is running, is getting chunk yards and they're always in football games. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, it's good. And today was a shootout. I love when these two teams play each other. It, last year was kind of the same game. They had almost, they had over 90 points combined, you know, over what was the final score today? It was like over, yeah, it was 68, 68, 68 points. 
quick mass, not bad. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this to steal the words of Luke Wilson, this did seem like the Lions of last year of just like classic Lions. You're in a battle of a game shootout. You're playing well. You're playing well. You set it opportunities to win and you just you just don't. And yeah, you loss. can argue, you know, you, you lost the coin flip, which resulted in losing the game, but. They had to go the entire field to get that touchdown. And exactly. They could not get a stop when they needed it in overtime. Like the Seahawks were were taking what they wanted on that last drive. And it seemed like the writing was on the wall for a touchdown. Like as soon as the drive started, pretty much. You didn't figure that they were going for a field goal ever. No. And I mean, I, it was it was just as a Lions fans, I'm sure you're just sitting in that stadium and you're just watching it happen. And, and you know, and it was loud you, in there too. It, it felt like a college atmosphere yeah. in, in an NFL stadium. And you know, it's, it's in, it's like a dome. So all the noise is just staying in there. And I'm sure it was as loud as an NFL stadium could get. Um, and the Seahawks were able to manage it, man. Like they came out, you know, opening drive, both teams touchdowns. That's how I knew it. I'm like, this is it's going be to be banger. the main main game on my screen because this is going to be a shootout, and it was, and it was probably the best game of the one o'clock slate. I don't, I'm not going to like look too hard into this though for Detroit because they still looked great, and yeah. it's officially Jameer Gibbs time, Damian. David He's Montgomery so left the game, yeah. and oh. We'll see. It's amazing. Yeah, I love watching him play. He He's a guy to keep your eye on all season long. Him and Bijan are like competing to who has nicer runs. Like it feels like they're constantly going highlight for highlight against each other. Yeah, and like Gibbs was getting lined up at wide receiver at times today, catching balls. And it's it's I'm excited to see how they use him now that he's the feature back with Montgomery yeah. out. Yeah, so, I, I it'll am be interesting. Too. But let's now go to what was probably the most disappointing game of the one o'clock slate, a rematch of a playoff game a year ago that ended with the exact same result as the Chiefs got a one score victory over the Jaguars 17 to nine. This one was a snooze fest. I kept going back to it on my TV in hopes that, you know, I'd catch a big highlight and then we'd go on a big drive, um, but not the game that Jacksonville was looking for. This is, you know, not a perfect game from the Chiefs, but they get a big win here. Yeah, I did not see this game coming, Damien. I, it had the highest total going in, higher than Seattle-Detroit. It was over 50 points. And, you know, Lawrence and Ridley are coming off a huge week one together. Everyone's, like, very high on the Jags. The the Chiefs, you know, a lot to make about Kelsey coming back, Chris Jones. So you're expecting big performances out of their offense. Yeah. And it was just, you just kept waiting and waiting and waiting. And, and you said it, you're like, I would take the second half over here because, you know, there's, it just feels like you're waiting to erupt to the explode, offenses. Yeah. And it just never happened. It uh, never came. No. And I mean, like you said, you know, like Mahomes' stat line at the end of the game looked, looked solid, but that does not reflect what kind of actually happened in this game. It felt like there was a million drives. And just yeah, a million drives and then just no points. Like this was an absolute nightmare of a game. If you did bet the over, like one of those ones that you know within the first few drives, like oh, we're not getting this total. Like it's just not happening. Chris Jones was super effective. Like they immediately got better on the defensive end. He didn't look really like he missed a step. Like like all kind of great pass rushers that you can kind of plug them in and they just absolutely go to work. 
they're they got to be super happy to have him back. Um, but yeah, kind of just a dud out of both teams. I'm glad this wasn't in the night spot. I think a lot of people, including myself, were surprised that this was at 1 p.m., but it was almost better that it got kind of hid in the background. Yeah, it uh, it flew under the radar somehow. And, you know, be, even if this was like a four o'clock game, this would have been the feature game for most people, I would argue. And it just didn't live up to any of that. I'm looking more into the Jags than I am the, the Chiefs after a game like this. Because, yeah. like you said, you know, the Chiefs, they won the game. Mahomes is over 300 yards. Kelsey got his touchdown. Like, they're they're okay. Tony didn't do anything too crazy. But, I mean, Trevor Lawrence was, like, 50% completion percentage. Uh, Ridley had two two receptions for 32 yards. They really couldn't get it going on the ground. I don't know. Because, you know, like... Jags played the Colts week one, not necessarily a powerhouse. These are the teams they want to be compared to this year since they want to take that step and they couldn't do anything today. No, it didn't look like they belonged in that kind of echelon of teams. I think teams like that find a way if their running game's not working, they, they make adjustments and they move to another outlet. It seemed like a game with not a lot of adjustments, especially from Jacksonville. They just kind of kept trying similar Running plays, especially like Etienne was only getting about like two or three yards on some of these plays. They just kept giving him the rock again, um, but not an impressive game from a offense that you're waiting to be wowed by. You know, I think that the the Chiefs, you're right, like kind of plateau out after this game, start to get back to kind of earth. Um, but Jacksonville, you got to now go out and prove the next few games that you're still that team. And that's a bit of a big build to to fill, you know? Yeah, because... Everyone like I think Jacksonville is a very sexy team for a lot of people this year. You know, like it's they're polarizing, right? But they haven't done it. You yeah. had a crazy miracle twenty-seven point comeback against the Chargers that probably should have never happened, but it did. Uh, you won your division last year with a not great record. I don't know, right? And like everyone's very high on Trevor Lawrence, and so am I. I think he's a great quarterback in Etienne, and this offense in general is very good. But they still have to do it. And they have to do it for an entire season if they want to be just considered legit. And with the Chiefs and the Bills and all those other upper echelon teams in the AFC. Yeah. Speaking of the Bills, we'll now go to their game against the Raiders um, where they get their kind of get right and win 38 to 10. This was a game that never really looked out of control for the Bills. They, you know, after a three interception game for Josh Allen on Monday Night Football, the offense ba- bounced back really nicely. He started really hot. Three touchdown drives in the first half, you know, after throwing two essentially to himself. <laughs> like, and, and this was kind of the Josh Allen that everybody was waiting for and expecting. The lights were definitely on him in this one. Like, people were waiting for him to misstep in this game so that they could absolutely dunk on him. And credit to the Bills, they didn't let that happen really at any moment in this game. How about your no, Raiders? It was, dude, I was so high on them. Jimmy, Jimmy G, 75 yards down the field to open the game, touchdown. And I was watching and I would go, let's go. I was like, this take could, this take might have some meat on the bone. And uh, it did not. It, it, I mean, it, it was nice to have that feeling though for yeah, even like five I'm minutes, sure. right? Because yeah. I was like, oh my God. And, I, and then I was getting upset at myself for not betting the Raiders. Thankfully that didn't, of course, yeah. didn't happen. But yeah, I mean, the Bills look back to their their peak like what they're capable of that like this is a super bowl caliber team if they play like this every week 
I know the Raiders, I still don't think the Raiders are a bad team. I really don't. I think they'll win like seven games this year, which is yep. not awful. And they probably should win more with the weapons they have. Like Josh Jacobs did not do anything today. He had nine, nine rushing attempts for minus two yards. The Bills defense was absolutely glued on him. They were making a lot of really athletic plays. They tried to move him around the outside a lot, and he would just get stuck behind the line of scrimmage every time. And on the other side of the ball, Latavius Murray looks really good. He, You know those running backs that just look like they are running down like a 90-degree slant every single time they touch the ball? Like He is always moving downfield. Yeah, he, he was good, and like the Bills... It was nice because Josh Allen, I mean, aside from a couple insane runs in that first quarter, like, I guess it'd be first half, guy. just throwing himself at people from like the seven yard line, thinking you're getting into the end zone. That's just wild stuff that you can't do, Josh. I'd and be holding like, my breath so hard if I was watching that as a fan. It, it seemed like someone kind of got to him after that run because he only ran it three times all game. And, you know, it was Cook, Harris, Murray were actually running the ball like, like it should be and Josh should only have to run when it's like a last last yeah. option and not just throwing yourself at at linebackers like an insane person but he was great 31 of 37 like that is peak yeah. efficiency for throwing the ball that many times and having that percentage with three touchdowns to go with it he had a couple throwaways too like the, it could have been like a 35 for 37 stat line he he was dialed in the Bills were like, this is a great bounce back for them. And I think it kind of silenced some people too, because like you lost in a very emotional divisional matchup in week one on the road. And it's like, okay, go home against a team that you should beat. They were nine point favorites, eight and a half. Yeah. And like they covered it and they covered it with ease. And I think the Bills, the Bills are back to where they should be. Yeah, I agree. Big one for the Bills. Um, but again, back to the disappointing side. The Bengals drop a big game against the Ravens, 27 to 24. They slightly get back to what their offense normally looks like, but a, another real wonky game for the Bengals and another slow start for Joe Burrow. I think I heard the stat is he's one in seven in weeks one and two all time. And you know, that that makes you believe in them a bit more and you say, OK, they're just waking up. But when's that going to happen? Like you're dropping divisional games now. When, when's it going to turn on or two oh divisional two, games? Yeah. Oh, two and divisional two in the division. Yeah. Like they are in a very tough spot to win this division now. Right. Like it's insane right to say, but the you're Owen Owen two with two divisional losses. And to like, I, I think Baltimore is probably in the driver's seat a bit. I know it's very early, yeah. but. Yeah, Joe Burrow's first passing TD of the season came with uh, two minutes and 38 seconds left in the third quarter. So he didn't have a passing touchdown for almost seven quarters to start the season. It's disgusting. Um, Where would they be without that punt return that they got for a touchdown? Like, I felt like that was their only, like, sign of hope in the first half. And then, you know, it kind of happened late for them, but... But going into half, it was like, dude, if they didn't have that punt return, where would this game be right now? It would be completely broken open. Yeah, that this game should have gone under. Uh, yeah. Like if you watch that first half, that was some of the worst football on it's both disgusting. sides. Like Baltimore, I know they won and they're 2-0. and And I mean, you should be happy if you're a Ravens fan. But I mean, that first half wasn't pretty either. And 
they, they kind of figured it out. Like Zay Flowers look good. Lamar's throwing the ball. It's like it's it. like twenty four yeah, three. Yeah, I know, and it's like what you should do with Josh Allen, right? It's like that is how what how you should play as a running quarterback. Only use your legs when you like have to, and you're not throwing yourself at people. But I, it's I don't know. The Bengals have looked horrible. I would say number one disappointment so far in the NFL. I think so too. We'll we'll talk in a little bit about what zero and two teams should panic the most. Um, but it's not looking good for them. The Ravens are kind of now going to have to patch together their run game between Justice Hill, Gus Edwards, and Lamar, essentially. I, I think J.K. Dobbins being gone will eventually take a toll on that team, but until then, they you're absolutely right. They're definitely in the driver's seat of this division, and again, Zay Flowers just fed the football, and I think you make this guy the lead receiver. Like they, he's He's showing true number one potential, and out of Boston College, I was sitting there the other day, like looking up his 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 uh you know college stats. I'm like, damn, you know, a, a weapon receiver out of Boston College. How often does that happen? Doesn't. I mean, notable alum Matt Ryan, Luke Keekley, not necessarily your uh your your offensive playmakers. Very uh standard and and I don't know stagnant people. Guys, but you o- want OBJ, to be your daughter? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. OBJ is injured. OBJ is injured again. So Zay Flowers is probably going to have to. Well, you always kind of forget about Mark Andrews. I, that could Mark just Mark Andrews, be me. Rashad Bateman. Like there's a few other like that targets that kind of float around, but he, I think here's it's his one to take. for you. We was catching babies on like Aguilar. Nelson Aguilar is on this team and he had a hell of a day. 63 yards and a touchdown. I, I love that they just loaded up skill positions in the offseason. Like it's just a plug and play now. And it's all just names. They're not yeah. like great, but like they're names that you know, and you know, they have had success in the past and you know, now they're all in Baltimore and it seems to be working early. I think that's yeah. just my assessment of Baltimore. Things seems to be stable over there. And I mean, it's kind of just your old Baltimore, I guess you could say the same old Ravens just kind of getting it done. Yeah. And we'll move now to quick reactions for the rest of the game. Colts 31, Texans 20. Colts look like their defense had some good success. Uh, You obviously, biggest story of the game, lose Anthony Richardson with a concussion. I'm not going to go on my soapbox about how he's had head injuries repeatedly and then gone on the field, but people aren't calling for his retirement like Tua. But I think the Colts have had a much better start to the season than they kind of imagined, and this is a big blow for them. Yeah, Richardson looked electric uh, on those two rushing touchdowns. It, it was like the Colts had hope for a bit. Yeah. It was amazing to see. And then unfortunately, you know, the concussions and we'll see how long he's out for. But this is a nice rookie matchup. And, you know, on the other side, like I know the Texans lost, but CJ Stroud looked good. And and the stats backed it up, too. And he was what? 30 of 47 for 384 yards and two touchdowns, no interceptions. He looks like he's set up to just stay in the pocket and find his pass. I think that that is going to lead him, unlike some of these other rookie quarterbacks, to avoid kind of injury. I think he's going to be the guy who has the best chance to kind of finish this season strong. He's like the like an actual NFL prototype quarterback, yeah. as opposed to maybe a Bryce Young, who's you like know short. Age, yeah. And then, you know, Richardson, who's like a linebacker playing quarterback, it's, you know, he's he's a 
pocket passer, can run when he has to. But there was another name at quarterback that came in in this game, Gardner Minshew, who... Out of nowhere. He like, looks look, bad in the Colts uniform, by the way. Like, really bad. I think bad. A, a lot of people look bad in the Colts uniform. I think yeah. maybe only Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck could pull off that uniform. Like, I like Marvin it in Jonathan Hayden. Taylor. Okay. I didn't like it in, like, like Marvin Harrison didn't look great in it. Yeah. I mean, it's... I don't know. I think it's just the... It's too bland. And yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it I don't, is. It doesn't work, though, for a lot of guys. And, I mean, his hair. and it, It's the sleeves. On the quarterback, it's the sleeves. It's bad. Yeah, sleeves are bad. I, I've been looking a lot at sleeves. I find it hilarious that Tyreek Hill doesn't tuck his sleeves in as a receiver. Like, he looks like he's wearing a T-shirt on the field. Yeah, it's he, he changed his sleeves this season. It's it's like uh, you can custom it in your like, creative pro in Madden where it's like sleeveless, exactly. mid, long. He just got the long this year. Um, but Gardner looked good and kind of like came yeah. in and won them the game. They're going to be I fine would... in terms of what their season expectations are with him at quarterback. Like with Richardson out, he'll be perfectly fine. They didn't get worse. No, right? I, like, I, I don't think say so. They didn't drop off from what they were. Probably no. the same team. They might even, dare I say, win maybe an extra game or two because I feel like Gardner Minshew is not going to put you in trouble or try no. not to put you in trouble. And, you know, if your defense plays well and, you know, you play the Texans again or something, like you could get that win. Yeah. Uh, Tampa Bay 27, Chicago 17. The Bears drop another big one. Roshan Johnson led the team in rush attempts, four for 32. Like there's just not a lot to this Chicago Bears offense, but this was the crucifixion of Justin Fields game. It was all over Twitter. The tape junkies were going over that pass that he missed the look and then ran right into the sack. Tough, tough week for Justin Fields and the Bears. Really tough, especially after it started out so well. Like yeah, they, he went down and got that got the touchdown in the first quarter. He ran it in. He had some nice throws to DJ Moore. And, you know, you thought, okay, you know, the Bears might go in and beat Tampa, get to one and one. Field silences some doubters, but that did not happen. Uh, The opposite actually happened. Uh, Baker Mayfield outplayed Justin Fields, which is just an insane thing to say. Uh, Bears, you could argue, are the worst team in the NFL. I think you could make a very solid argument. And, like, the Texans, I liked what I saw out of the Texans a lot more than what I saw out of the Bears, which is not great to say. Uh, And we'll keep it at that because it's not even great to talk about. Um, The last game we'll quickly touch on, Falcons 25, Packers 24. Falcons grease out a win here over the Packers. A lot of field goals in this one. Desmond Ritter looked very interesting to start off. This Atlanta defense is good, um, but... Yeah, not not a ton, not a ton to take away from this game. Atlanta's talented, Green Bay's talented. I think that these are both kind of middle of the pack teams. Yeah, Green Bay had so many wide receivers who I had no clue were catching the ball today. It was like uh, Kevin Burkhardt said it. I think when it was an update, it was like all oh, these guys should be wearing name tags because they're kind of like introducing themselves to America right now or North America. We're Canadian. Um, Sorry, Zolfi, cover your ears, but the Falcons are the worst 2-0 team in the league. Yeah, I I tend to fall that way, too. This offense just doesn't feel... You don't feel confident in Desmond Ritter to really make plays. He had a a lot of really questionable throws of putting it into windows that just weren't there. Uh, And I think that 
if you're a Falcons fan, you're obviously elated at two wins, but you feel like you're stealing them at this point. And I feel like the season's going to feel like that the whole time. Like you're just going to have to keep stealing wins week after week. Yeah, don't apologize for being 2-0. No. Like you, you got yourself in that position, but I still wouldn't be going Super Bowl just yet because I, I think the playoffs are still not not for sure in the picture for the Falcons after what I've been watching. Bijan looks good, though. I think that was like a yeah. good draft pick that they used. Yeah, and uh, the Packers, Jordan Love now has almost 400 yards, six TDs and zero interceptions in his first two games. Kind of the start that we might thought come like might kind of come out of that offense. He's pretty set up to succeed there, but he's making it work. Yeah, did Green Bay just draft another Hall of Fame quarterback? Yeah, they might have, man. It, it's a bit scary. I actually really like his pocket presence. I kind of like how calm he is with the ball. Um, but again, it, it, it will be very much the same for Green Bay. They'll have to steal out wins from this season and, and kind of just edge their way towards the playoff picture. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's like a young team. I didn't realize how young Green Bay was on offense, mm-hmm. especially. It was just, I was like, who is that? Who is this? Who yeah, let's see what they're made of. Yeah. Yeah, and they're scoring TDs, and they looked okay. Covered the yeah. spread, too. Exactly, but that'll do it for our recap. We will now shift quickly to preview the two Monday night games for the end of the episode here. We will start with the Saints at the Carolina Panthers opening spread. Saints... By three points, this one is not the most attractive um, Monday night game I've ever seen. No, it's not. Thankfully, we got two, though, which is always yeah. nice. Um, the seven fifteen start is amazing, though. I will say that. Like, just, you know, I do right love after it. dinner, having that game come on the TV. It's nice. This spread is exactly kind of where I thought it would be. Yeah, and it looks like it might go to three and a half because it's a little bit juiced to the to the Saints minus three right now. Uh, I got to lean Saints. I it might be a square play. Uh, I know they're on the road at Carolina, but I just didn't love what I saw to Bryce Young in, in Week One. I just think he's so raw. I like it's just so raw. He's learning the the NFL, the speed, and. You know, we were talking about last week, like Derek Carr seems kind of rejuvenated and like he cares and, and wants to win, knows the opportunity he has. So Monday night gonna, spot under the lights, Saints. I'm going to side with the Saints here. Not going to touch the total 39 and a half. Kind of gross number. I think it's disgusting and I think it's going to go under. Actually, I think this is going to be a very low scoring affair. This is a 20 to 17, 17 to 10 type of win, I think, for the Saints. I think that they do cover the spread here. I think for Carolina, like you really got to prove that you're you belong in a game, even against the Saints. You know, you're taking small victories here. If Carolina does win this game, then, you know, maybe we start looking a bit more at Bryce Young, a bit more at this offense. Um, But until then, I think it's up for the Panthers to prove it and not the Saints. I think the Saints go into this game confidently and I think they win. Yeah, I'll do a score prediction as well. I'll go. Saints 20, Panthers 10. 2010, game goes yep. under, Saints cover. Um, we'll see how how brutal those takes are. Like if Who Carolina knows? wins outright uh like 32-24, that would be an amazingly wrong prediction by both of us. But I mean, I feel good about it. I do too. Uh, We'll now finish things up with the exciting Monday night game, an AFC North grudge match between the Browns and the Steelers. 
Cleveland one and zero at Pittsburgh zero and one. Patrick, what are our initial thoughts for this game? It's a it's a franchise game. Franchises on the line. Oh uh, wow! Steelers haven't like lost a Monday nighter at home since nineteen ninety one, I believe. Um, the Browns haven't started a season like two and zero in in longer than that, I believe. And it's just you have to put Cleveland in your play, in their place. It's it's just a, a tradition at this point for steel for the Steelers to do. Mike Tomlin, he loves it, and I mean. You couldn't have looked worse last week if you're the Steelers. Like that's as bad as it gets. Um, Matt Canada feeling some early hot seat pressure as well. Hot seat like- in prime time tonight. Like their play calling is going to be under a microscope. You know what honestly frustrates me more than like anything is the fact that he sits up in the booth like a college coordinator. Yes, and isn't on the field. Kind of pisses me that. off about the Bills OC too. Yeah, get on the field so you can like just like it looks so stupid when the quarterback comes off the field and picks up a phone to go talk to the offensive coordinator. And it's like, yeah, no wonder maybe this isn't working so well. Maybe your dynamics a little off because you don't talk face to face. Yeah, Um, I I do like the Steelers in the spot. I mean, it's the same spot as last week, but you're just not going against as good of a team. Pretty much like two point dogs at home. Uh, Cleveland didn't look great. I know they won and, you know, they beat Cincinnati, but Cincinnati hasn't looked great two weeks either. So no. it, I, it's, it's huge game. Cause you can't go. Oh, and two. Um, but I think the Steelers can pull it off. I think that the Steelers defense is cut out to make this game incredibly uncomfortable for Deshaun Watson. I think that TJ Watt is going to thrive. He always seems to thrive in big spots. Like when the lights are on, he plays incredible. And I think that he's going to make Watson's life a living nightmare, especially without Amari Cooper. I think that this is an interesting game in terms of Deontay Johnson and Amari Cooper likely being out for this one. I think this goes under as well. Uh, It is a 38 and a half total, another kind of gross total. Uh, But I think that, you know, the Steelers in a bit of a grudge match here, they got to dig their heels in against this Cleveland team. Like they're going to be coming in pretty hot still. I think Um, they definitely a team that has a lot of skill. You got to stop Nick Chubb running the ball early. Like you just got to prove that you're in control of this game early. If you're the Steelers. That is my biggest concern going into yeah. this game is Nick Chubb, not Deshaun. Uh, I mean, obviously, Amari's looking to be out, but Cam Hayward's also out for the Steelers, the yeah. defensive tackle who's, I mean, borderline Hall of Famer by when his career is all said and done. And, I mean, like they couldn't really stop McCaffrey last week. It That is my biggest concern by a Big long time. shot. If you're betting on this game, I would look at Chubb's props and the overs on them. And... I, Stop the run. Like force Deshaun to beat you is is the way the Steelers should kind of go in there and look at it. And then on offense, please make plays in the middle of the field and longer than five yards. It's 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 the out routes, man, that just are so frustrating. But you gotta win it. Prove me wrong. Prove Matt Canada. Prove me wrong, please. I I want to be proved wrong. Um but yeah, if, if they don't, then it's the Steelers are in for a long year. I would say. Yeah, I'm going to score predict. I think the Steelers win a gross one here, something like 20 to 19, like a failed two point or something like over a a real close one here and barely screech over the line. Uh, But yeah, I I don't know. I'm really excited to see how this one plays out. 
Packers, 17-13 Steelers. Okay, okay, I don't hate that. It's going to be gross. Both I think these so teams too. have awful potential. I know it's like exciting to have two Monday nighters on, but these are I don't think either either of these games should be in primetime. No, I don't think so either. Uh, but to wrap up this big recap episode, we're going to finish with what o- what 0-2 teams should be in panic mode. We got the Broncos, the Vikings, the Chargers, the Bengals, the Bears, the Patriots. Gut reaction says Chargers. Okay. It's my gut. I think... Uh, you know, Staley was kind of on the hot seat coming into this season. I think, you know, you, you had a sour taste in your mouth the way you ended last season, like blowing that 27-point lead after finally making the playoffs, which has been your your biggest uh, like hurdle to get over. They got over it, and then they got embarrassed. And then you come out, you start the season 0-2, and losing the way they lost the games as well. I know you're in it, but... It's games you kind of should win or, or had opportunities yeah. to win and you did it to yourself kind of thing. It seems like Cincinnati's been in this spot a million times and they're yeah. able to kind of fight their way out of it. Um, and then the other teams that you kind of mentioned, just I don't think had the same expectations as the Chargers and Bengals. So I, I'm going to say the Chargers have uh, the most kind of like hit the panic button and uh, Staley's job is also probably the most up up in the air it's a, it's a good answer especially from the staley angle i'm gonna go a bit different and say that the vikings i are the ones who have to hit the panic button here i know that's a tough game to go and fla- and face the eagles thursday night in prime time but in terms of trying to retain and build on a culture that you worked so hard to build up last year and get 13 wins and say we don't care about one point games we are a good team this is a winning culture that we're building if you go into this season and drop three straight, then, you know, one of them being Tampa Bay, then all of a sudden, I think the panic button is so, so apparent for this team. I think that Kirk Cousins has to, even after a season of the best PR on planet Earth, has to now go and reestablish himself in people's eyes yet again. And for the Vikings, it's a bit of a, a an uphill sludge here. You know, they don't have a game that they can really take off anytime soon they gotta go play the chargers next week then they got panthers after that and then you're back to kc so you gotta absolutely lock in for the next few games here if you're them so it's the battle the battle of our panic buttons next week absolutely i, I didn't even realize that's so that that'll be a fun fun preview for us in a bit but i guess we didn't really touch on the eagles vikings game the the vikings had had if they just fumbled that game away big time it was Big amazing. Time. They were in it. I, I thought the Vikings, like, they looked fine. They looked competitive against the Eagles, but they just fumbled the ball every chance they had to start the game. And then to start the second half, the Kirk Cousins fumble resulting in a touchdown. It was just, you spotted them too many points and you couldn't come back. And yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. That's going to be a, a, you're right, a huge game to see who can get to one and two. Because uh, 0 and 3, you're done. I would uh, I would say because I think it's like sixty something percent of teams that go zero and two don't make the playoffs. So to just put that extra tally in the loss column, nail in the coffin, devastating. Yeah, I agree. 
But I think that's all we have for you from the goalpost today. We'll come back to you on Friday for our preview of the week three slate. There's some great games on it. We'll get back to you soon. For now, Patrick, see ya. See ya, Damien. Got too far the reason.